Got to ask yourself, how do you want to spend your time? Not what somebody else programmed into you. It could be even parents. It could be family, friends that mean well, where they programmed things that they think you should do. You have to ask yourself, what do you actually want to do? Welcome to Star of the Doubts. My name is Jared Easley, but you're not here for me. You're here for Kamanzi Constable. Kamanzi, how are you? I am good. I don't know that they're here for me because they might have heard about the way that I like to eat Kit Kats or my obsession with Taylor Swift music. Mm-hmm. Although I will say, if we're being honest with each other here, yes, I have not been a huge fan of the latest albums. So are we talking the Taylor version albums? Is that what we're talking no, about? No, okay. not, not necessarily. So you're supporting the Taylor version. I right? like the Taylor versions because yeah. they're recording the first three or four that were like, in my mind, original Taylors. Like the new ones are kind of like too popish. Can you explain to me why it was necessary for her to go and create, recreate these albums? Because I don't understand fully what happened. There. Absolutely. So okay. what, I, yeah, for, for some people already know this, so you can skip ahead, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know this. So what yeah. happened was, is when Taylor signed with Big Machine Records, when she signed Big Machine Records back in the day, it was owned by a man named Scott Machetta, I think is his name, um, owned it. And it was kind of like a small shop, right? Like small shop, local feel. Yeah. And then she had a falling out with her agent, Scooter Braun, and he went and bought her record label. And the record label owned all of the original masters. But Taylor signed an agreement that even though they own the masters, she owns the lyrics. So after a certain period, with her owning the lyrics, she could go then do whatever she wanted. So what she elected to do was re-record all the albums under her version to get away from to get away from Scooter Braun owning her record label and, right. and the Masters. Okay, so that's why she did that. And I, I guess that so the pure Taylor Swift fan will be like, okay, I'm going to delete these other albums. I'm never going to exactly. listen to them. I'm only going to listen to the. The Taylor version to support her. Yeah. like So the, that kind of sticks it to Scooter a little bit. Is it that- sticks it to Scooter big time. Like, I'm sure there's still going to be sales of the original albums, I'm sure. But I'm sure that this is going to affect sales. And I guess in Taylor's mind, I mean, she's made hundreds of millions of dollars. Might be over $600 million. So I don't know that she needed the money or anything like that. But this is more like, I guess, spite sticking it to the man, if you will. Well, last time I checked, she's not hurting. But uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to your point, some of her newer stuff, maybe she's just in her mind evolving as an artist, and that just may not be, could be. the Taylor Swift that you've loved. And But then yeah. there's other kids that are coming along with, hey, this is great. Exactly. It, it appeals to them. And so well, she's still winning in a sense. She just is and not me- as appealing to you as she was. And music has changed, right? Like I look at songs for the better yeah that i think are were classics like when we were younger my kids grandkids probably never heard of them but now they trend on tiktok and now all of a sudden they're discovering fleetwood mac and stuff like that yes so i think that's interesting that is funny a very good example of that is lana heard a classic rock song the other day my mind has slipped but she's like hey i know this song and and i'm like how would you possibly know this she's like oh it's on tiktok was it Guns N' Roses because of Thor, Love, and Thunder? It was not. Okay. Uh, but that, uh, let the record reflect that that is, <laughs> that yeah. is, that is a, a very good tune. Yeah. People should listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so Kamanzi, uh, man, you know, we, we talk you know, fairly often, but we don't always oh, get on the podcast and talk about what you're doing. So let's just make this episode about some things you've learned over the last 
year, you've been doing a lot of conversations with people and writing articles and not that we need to boil this down necessarily to a, a uh, top five, but what are a few things that stick out to you over having these conversations? And maybe even before we go there, let's just back up and tell people why you're doing what you're doing, what you're doing, because uh, there's some people who may not be completely familiar. They, they know, hey, Kamanzi used to do this. What's he up to now? So let's catch him up. So by the way, Star of the Doubts listeners, you should know Jared and I are doing this in person. We're yes, sitting person. right across normally from each other. Normally it's not. Yeah, normally it's not. <laughs> Yeah. But so for years, I've had a traditional online business, sold digital products, courses, all that good stuff since 2011. If you're not familiar with my story, I was a bread man and then I discovered the online thing and I have the whole racks riches story. And we won't bore you with that. But it, it is a good story, though. It is a good yeah. story. But it wasn't until like a couple of years ago that I really thinking about how do I want to wake up and spend my time? And the way that I had been spending my time is I'd wake up to a schedule full of meetings, coaching calls and and consulting calls and like items on the to-do list. And like, I was really dreading it. And so for me, I started really asking myself, how do you want to spend your time? And that was not it. <laughs> it yeah. wasn't it. And then I had the opportunity to start writing for some larger publications like Time and Business Insider. And what they had started asking me to do was not cover like how-to stuff, but actually cover people's stories, kind of like a podcaster does, right. interviews people. And in the course of those stories, I discovered this thing called the FIRE movement. Have you ever heard of that? Oh, yeah, yeah, I have. And uh, we've not really talked about it much on this show, but let's, let's go there. Yeah, so FIRE stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. Yeah, and, that, and, and there's some people who are really for this, and there's some that are like adamantly oh, like, oh, this is a bad thing. I think it depends on how you do it, because there's 15 different versions of fire, and Jared will appreciate this being a Floridian. Yeah. There's actually one called Disney fire. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't know that one. Yeah, but fire basically means you live on less, you invest more, and you then come, you get a fire number, which is a number that you can do a 4% withdrawal on every year for the rest of your life. Now, that number needs to be high, like $1 million, $2 million invested, so you could withdraw 4%. As the market goes up, your investments still go up, and you're not dipping into your portfolio too much. That's the theory here. Nah. So that is, is you have this saved amount of money that's invested. You never touch it. And then there are uh, money that comes from that. Uh, the Yeah, so it could be through dividends, dividends or it could just or, be you okay. withdrawing with the penalty 4% every year. Okay. Now, people do this differently. Some people are like, like I just wrote about a, a couple that's retired at 29 years old. They were teachers in Tampa. What? They retired at 29? At 29. They, Is that even a thing? I've never even heard of that. That's They started when they were 20, so it was a nine-year journey. A nine-year journey. And they lived on less than $22,000 a year combined for the entire year. Okay. So, so they that's just, extreme. They just, they just went basically uh beans and rice and scorched earth beans and rice for nine years scorched earth okay well, he got a master's degree he got it for free because in florida if you are a stem major and you teach in a florida school they'll pay for your master's degree okay so he did that That's raised cool. his salary to ninety thousand. his wife's salary was something like seventy thousand. they lived on nothing they retired at 29 so like a few years ago with like 1.4 million dollars after nine years. That's amazing. It's amazing. So that like, what really were they, what were they investing in? 
most of the people that do fire invest in total stock market funds. Right. So like Vanguard's, it's called like the VTI. So Vanguard's total index fund. It's called the VSTAI, which is Vanguard's total stock fund. So these are just a collection of the top companies in the S and P and in and the and so, the so I, I I dabble right, and yeah. I have some money in what's called the S and P five hundred. Probably not enough to retire in nine years, but I, I I do have money allocated. That is that the type of thing that we're talking about? That's the type of thing that we're talking about. But they're just putting a lot more. If you're employed, yeah. like they were teachers, so they could invest in four hundred one k's and and IRAs. If you're self employed, you could invest in Roth IRAs. And those reduce your your taxes every year, which you know in theory gets you to more money. So they put in eighty percent of what they made into that. That is a big commitment, but they're absolutely reaping the benefits of that now, being still young and they're young. Enjoy twenty nine right now. They're currently in Canada, traveling throughout Canada. They visited every national park in the United States. They spent seven months doing that. Oh, that sounds. They lived. Amazing. They lived yeah. on the Big Island. Jared will appreciate this. They lived on yeah. the Big Island for Lo- six love months. Hawaii. I know you do too. Yeah. Yep. So, and then there's the opposite spectrum of the people that do. They call it fat fire. So that's when you retire with so much money that you don't have to think about money anymore ever in your life. So like one person, a uh, couple that I interviewed, they retired with 2.8 million. Took them eight years. Um, they worked for the government. They were federal contractors for the government. So their salaries were like 95, 98,000 each. Okay, so they, had, they had a little bit higher salary. So they right? had a little bit of higher salary. They were frugal. Yeah. They retired with 2.8. And then now they're living in Portugal, Lisbon, Portugal. Okay. That doesn't sound that yeah. bad. No. So there's there's extremes. Now, that inspired me to think about the fact that I'm 41. Okay. I don't want to be 60 years old doing a Facebook Live trying to get somebody to buy my $97 course. I know people that are older that do that, and I know with great love and respect to them, you're right. I don't want to be in that position. Just for me personally, like I think everybody should do whatever they want to do in life. Right. That's just not what I want to do. Yeah. I think I want to kind of be 61 chasing some grandchildren, you know, maybe going to a matinee. Like, I, I don't know. Like, but here's the biggest thing that I want. I want financial independence. If I want to work, I can. If I don't want to work, I can. Right now, if we're just being transparent, I have to work. Yeah, and yeah. if I miss work, bills don't get paid. Yeah. You have things, you have responsibilities. Understood. I completely get that. I'm in your same shoes. So um, what yeah. I'm doing now is I'm doing a lot of writing for publications. They're paying me to write, yes, which has been great. We have a membership program that teaches people how to do the same. And going forward, it's just really about investing so that I could get to some point where I reach a number where I could be financially free. So that's that right now is, is the goal. So that's the goal. Financial you, freedom. Um, you've done some travels. You've, you've been to a number of places. You've kind of documented that on your social media channels and stuff. And uh, so let's talk about that. What are some things you've learned from some of your travel experiences? Yeah. So last year, in September of last year, my wife and I sold our house and everything. Like we literally sold everything. And we started traveling full time, went to Puerto Rico for six weeks. We were in Europe for the first three months of this year, 2022, in London, Lisbon, Rome, and East France. We were in uh, Medellin, Colombia for a month. We just, we're in a cruise. Like, so we just spend the whole time traveling. And, and the good thing about travel, people have an assumption that travel is more expensive. I could go live well in Colombia for $1,000 a month. I could go okay. live well in Europe for more than that. 
but they also have the universal health care that you could pay for. So there's, you could live, you could travel and live well cheaply. That's what I wanted. I was hoping you'd bring that up. So we'll start with Columbia. So, so you really, can you live on a thousand dollars a month in Columbia? That seems, I mean, you just said you could, but like to me, I'm like, oh no, surely you're sacrificing. What are you getting for a thousand dollars? So you can get, first of all, and we, we should clarify, this is if you make US dollars. If okay. you make Colombian pesos and you work there, your financial situation is probably different. But if you had an income source that's in US dollars, one dollar is 4,000 Colombian pesos. So you can go down there, you can get a great, great Airbnb, like for $600 for the month. Great Airbnb. In a nice place. Nice area. Got every, all the, the, I'm all assuming the amenities. reasonable amenities. Yeah, okay. yeah. When Cindy and I were there, when we were there last month, we were in a four bedroom, four bath penthouse on the 12th floor overlooking the entire city. It's just the two of you. Just you a, I, I, a four, bedroom, four bedroom penthouse. <laughs> four bedroom penthouse. <laughs> I mean, two levels, yep. like it was gargantuan and it was 1900 for the month. Okay. Everything included. And it was, and then we'd go out to eat meals, big, big meals. Like I'm talking like, you know, more than I should ever eat because yeah. I need to lose weight, but yeah, <laughs> big meals that were like $13 for the entire meal for two people. I post Starbucks receipts. You go to Starbucks here in the US, I can get a tall nitro code brew for $5.08. Mm-hmm. I could get four of those in Colombia for like five seventeen. And I'm posting these receipts on Facebook, by the way. Yeah. Okay. You convinced me. And you, you said gym membership. Gym and- membership. Like so like there's places that are mixed use because they're catered towards tourists. Yeah. So you pay for the place, the place you live upstairs, they have a gym downstairs. Below that they have a co-working place. And it's it's mixed use. Oh you my can gosh! Just, yeah, everything needs right. And so there. that's like an included price in the it's Airbnb. Included price, all of so it. Go to the gym. Twenty-four hour gym. Go, go get some, some work in. Exactly. Uh, Fast two hundred megabit Wi-Fi. Okay. Everything you need. But, but come on, dude. This means you have no entertainment. You're just bored, sitting down, right? Yeah. I mean, well, if you wanted to go out and do entertainment, like um, there's quite a few things to do in Colombia. Then it's not expensive. So, like, if you want to do a metro cable tour of the entire city, it was fifteen thousand pesos. So you could do the equivalent. So what is that? Like three, three, four bucks? Yeah. There's. <laughs> <laughs> you want to take Uber rides? Like, I get post receipts of Uber rides that are literally a dollar to go. Like, oh wow, twenty minutes. Like, I it's just that. ridiculous. Okay, we had to take a short pause there because we were at a restaurant. We had lunch. <laughs> and it was good. It, did it was the not shri- Columbia pricing. <laughs> no, but did the shrimp live up to the hype? The shrimp was good. And uh, I'm sitting here sipping on some iced tea. I know if Brian Orr is listening, he'll be proud. <laughs> uh, he's probably not. <laughs> That's okay. All right. So I, I want to kind of circle back a little bit. What are some other lessons you've learned from some of these interviews? Just talk about financial. Uh, anything, anything else that kind of sticks out to you? Because, I mean, these are really uh, smart people that made some interesting decisions. and. I think um, it's like yeah. one of the biggest things is, well, two biggest things is one, how do you actually want to spend your time? And right. I don't think most people ask themselves that. They're like, I got to build a business. So I got to go work with clients and yeah. do X, Y, and Z. Or I got to go a certain career and I got to do X, Y, and Z. But they never ask themselves, what do they want? And two, like one of the biggest things that I've seen is what I call the appearances pressure. So people do things in life because they're worried how it will appear. So I'm going to, I'll give you a perfect example of this yeah. that I just saw. So here in South Florida, they, they built a Brightline train yeah. that goes from West Palm to Fort Lauderdale to Miami, but nobody's riding it. 
Do you know why? Because no the idea. reception of the perception of writing that means you're not well off. And in South Florida, a lot of things are about appearances. I saw somebody say in Miami, you could see somebody in like a $2,000 suit looking well-dressed. And I'm not taking a shot of anybody from Miami. I'm a Florida resident, by the way. I'm a registered Republican in Florida for you that are listening to this. <laughs> we, <laughs> we just alienated our entire uh, <laughs> leftist crowd. But there, go ahead. But then if you see somebody in Miami wearing a $2,000 suit, that person might or might not be a millionaire or a billionaire. You have somebody in New York that looks like a hobo, and that person probably is a billionaire, right? Yeah. Walking the street on the subway. don't want people to know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like appearances, yeah. appearing successful, appearing happy, like at family events. Like why do we have family events and we clean our house to the most immaculate it's mm. ever been, and then 364 days, it looks like like it normally looks, right? I, I have an uncle. This kind of goes into what you're saying. He's, he's older, but he owns a tree farm in Mississippi. Super wealthy, but he's been frugal all his life. Wears overalls, drives an old car. You saw him in the grocery store. You ne- you just say, "Oh, there's some old local." You never know that dude's sitting on a pile. <laughs> you know? Exactly, like he is sitting on some money because he's but, gotten to the point where he doesn't care. Yeah, he's not. He's humble. He's not. You know, he don't care about what people think. He's just living his life. You know. But so, in our society, yeah. we do care. A lot of people do. Yeah. I'm caring a lot less. Than Me I used too. To. I, I would say I'm caring a lot less. Yeah. There's probably still a little bit of appearances pressure in all of us, but like that's the biggest thing that I've seen about the people that might live frugal or the people that might quit what seems like a profitable business for their happiness. Like in these interviews that I'm doing, is people are like, I don't care what anybody thinks. I want to just want to be happy. Yeah. Well, uh, there's something to be said for that, man. Because if you're stuck in doing something you just absolutely hate for a long period of time, that is, it just sucks the life out of you. You know. It sucks that's how, you, that's how you. you felt back when you were doing the bread stuff. Yeah, that's how I felt when I do the bread stuff. That's how I felt when I do some aspects of business. And for me, when I feel stress and anxiety and depression, it manifests in my body in a very physical way. Yeah. Well, in the past, I mean, you've been very public about your health and stuff. Like, there's been times when you've had, you know, partial paralysis. Yeah, in your face Bell's palsy. Bell's palsy and. I mean, thank God you're not dealing with that anymore. But yeah, I mean, like it, a month ago, I was in Colombia having a gallbladder attack. Like then, uh, they were talking about they'd have to remove my gallbladder. So you're like, I'm too young for this. <laughs> Let's. Uh, but if I was gonna have the surgery, that's where I would have it. <laughs> You'd have it overseas in, in Colombia because yeah, Colombia is like known as one of the the surgery capitals of the world. Really top notch surgery. So like a lot of people go there for surgeries. That surgery down there is $2,000. If I had that same surgery in the United States, it's $56,000. Oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, we still have supposedly the best healthcare in the world, but uh, at, at that cost, I mean, that's a lot. Uh, it's, I saw a documentary while I, yeah. was, while I was driving today. I was listening to this documentary on insulin and for type 1, type 2 diabetics. Right. And what, they, what it costs to manufacture and what they charge, it's like astronomical. Well, and that's where someone like Mark Cuban's coming in, potentially making Thank you know, goodness. All these drugs uh, way more realistic and affordable. And that's actually a, a that's going to change the world. It's going to uh, change the world. So people talk about can one person you know do something that changes the world? Well, Mark Cuban may be doing that with his you know reducing the price of these generic drugs. I think Mark Cuban is doing a good service. Like there's drugs yeah. there that are thousands of thousands of dollars if you paid for it. But with his service, it's you'd not. Be, you'd be able to afford to actually uh, have the medications you need and stuff and still live your life. And, you know, I, I'm rooting for that. I, I, uh, I'm i not a political person very much, as you know, but things like that, that just makes sense to me. So 
Yeah. Well, and I mean, in the United States, it doesn't matter. I don't take sides of like conservative or liberal because my personal belief is they kind of all work together when they get in office because they all leave a lot richer. And then we yeah, have funny these, how that works. Yeah. These arguments on Facebook to the death about conservative or Republican, while the people they're defending, they're just lining their pockets by whatever they're special interests. Yeah. To the bank. Exactly. Uh, which is and then guess what? They don't like the Mark Cubans of the world with his prescription thing. They don't like that. But he's got so much money and so much influence at this point that he doesn't depend on what they think. He doesn't. And that's why they don't like it. And that's why they don't because like it. Because he has the ability to make a change that will impact the entire world and potentially uh, create less income for these folks raking it in on the drugs that are actually killing people or, or charging them and uh, I mean, whether even they're going our- bankrupt or you know broke. Even our former president, who I did not vote for, so uh, you could take that as you will. But Mm -hmm. the one thing the Washington establishment didn't like is he didn't need to go to them for their money, Mm -hmm. right? Like he wasn't in their pockets. He wasn't in the special interest groups. Yeah, they did not like that. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. It's interesting. So you've been to a lot of other countries and you've seen how. One thing you said when we weren't recording is you're like you're very impressed with Europe. Tell me what it what it is about Europe that really impresses you. Yeah, in Europe, they've been able to figure out how to standardize and systematize the big issues like healthcare, for example. Right. I had a friend who moved, just moved to Lisbon, Portugal, is yeah. got a digital nomad visa, is on their universal healthcare plan. It's six dollars a month for $6 full dollars a month. Six dollars a month med- for if full you need coverage. Medication, if you need, if you need anything, anything. And despite what you would see in the media. They're not waiting six months for care or what like that's a narrative that's kind of being being fed in the U.S. media is like, oh, the, the care is subpar. And that's actually not the case. Is it that way everywhere? Of course not. Every place has problems. But six dollars for health care and you know that you're you're covered is, you know, that uh, <laughs> and then that, European that cities makes me a little unhappy with, uh, <laughs> with this, what we're the, paying these bills that I'm paying. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. European cities tend to be more walkable. Or if it's not walkable, they have some sort of public transportation public that is realistic and not. And in the United States, where could you go to get that? New York City, right? Of course. Yeah. Maybe some parts of Miami, but it's still not like I can get off the airplane in Munich, Germany. I could take one train that's going to get me directly to the city center in 20 minutes. I could get around the entire city if I wanted to on their public transit and I can get back. And you wouldn't um, even need an Uber. And you, I wouldn't need an Uber just, or yeah. anything like that. Wow. And the train's nice. Or Japan. Yeah. Or- Right, like the bullet trains, I can get from Tokyo to Osaka in a couple hours, or to Mount Fuji in a couple hours, but on a bullet train. That's yeah. I've always wanted to see Mount Fuji. You should see it. <laughs> it's beautiful. I've seen pictures. And it's so. very easy to get to from Tokyo. Okay. Yeah. Sold. So you know, I've, always, I've always said, come on, see you someday. You now like go on some world tour doing something. I don't know what well, it'll we be. We need to do like now. an event, an in-person event. We uh, okay. talked about doing that, and I don't want anybody to think about this like yeah. Kamanzi's an America hater. I'm very grateful. No, no, no. not at all. I you're, have you're, a, you're, you're a, you appreciate your country. You I, I'm yeah. very grateful that I have a U.S. passport. Very yeah. grateful. It's, it comes with so many benefits. I'm grateful for a country that I can build an online business. Yep. and I can be incredibly successful. Or if I wanted a traditional business, brick and mortar business. It's the land of opportunity. So that's true. I'm grateful. Yeah. I just think that there's things we could learn. And we should. And we right? should. So, yeah, I'm glad that you're getting an opportunity to talk to people who are being very smart, who are being very prudent and uh, giving you new ideas. And you're seeing in your travels, and uh, not everybody's in a position or they think they're not in a position to do that. 
So for someone who's saying, oh, I can't travel, I can't maybe do that, what would you say to them? Because you were driving a bed, bread truck a few years ago, and now you're you know, getting opportunities that other people say, well, that can never happen for me. Well, there's a couple of ways. So one is just you save up money to be able to go on whatever trip you want. Two, and like, is it really that expensive to travel? It's I mean, really not. Like, if you want to talk about a flight to Columbia from South Florida, we're talking 125 bucks, 150 bucks, maybe. I, I did not realize it could be that affordable. It could be that affordable. And yeah. of course, that depends on time you're flying and yada, yada, yada. So flexibility and travel saves you a lot of money. Right. You can go on Google Flights, and Google Flights could tell you when's the best time to go. It could tell you to get the kind of seat that you want. It could tell you what airlines to go for. Like, There's a lot of tools that could help you do it now. Yeah. And then two, my favorite is credit card points. Now, the Dave Ramsey crowd, y'all yeah, just Dave, like, they, your they hair just, just you went out, up, your yeah. spidey senses. Are, they, 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 <laughs> the gazelle just ran yeah. away. Yeah. <laughs> but if you can be responsible, I understand credit cards are dangerous for some people. Like it's just too not, tempting. If, if you can be them, responsible, yeah. there's credit cards like the Amex Platinum or the City Premier Mastercard that I use responsibly in my everyday paying for my gas, paying for my groceries. Yeah. And I can get three times points on the things that I'd normally spend money on anyways. Yeah. Those give me points that I redeem for free flights. All I haven't paid for Jared, I haven't paid for a single flight this year. I've taken yeah. twenty six flights. Yeah, you've been yeah, on a number I've of flights. For a single one. That's a Amazing. All in credit card points. <sighs> well, yeah. I don't know what the summer has for you, for you and I'm sure you're, you know, you're still nailing some things down, but man, I'd love to see in uh, Dallas for podcast movement. I don't know if that's a possibility and, this year. Yeah. If it is, uh, come on. And if not, you know, we have another event in March. It's uh, Evolution. So that'll be in Las Vegas. Um, I think that's a uh, an approved Kamanzi city. I'm oh, not sure. Vegas. <laughs> Brings back some memories. <laughs> I, I'm one of those. I can go to Vegas for about three days and then it's time to go home <laughs> it's time to go but i'm amazed that they can build replicas of like oh, yeah. you know the eiffel tower and everything else and the, the big casinos and the buffets and i'd stay away from the buffets <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i found if you eat off strip it is uh a That's lot more uh economical yeah, you just gotta be careful because off strip is like where they film cops and stuff like that <laughs> you know uh, dan franks took me to this taco place i cannot think of it it's on the strip it's right by encore but it's it's really cheap, and you get in this line, you get you know several tacos, and next thing you know, you're sitting down, and you're having like a reasonably priced lunch, a horchata if you drink that. Uh, I don't know, uh, absolutely. And uh, yeah, you get to get some uh, some tacos and stuff, and then you know you only spend a couple bucks, and and it's like holy cow, how's this you know right here? But it is, it's literally like you can walk across the street from Encore, and it's it's right there. I forget hey, forget the name of it. It's, Fairly yeah, last, close to the convention center. Last time uh, so there are some places that, that are reasonable, but uh, any any posh restaurant in Vegas is, is going to cost you're you gonna money. You're going to spend. Uh, I know because I just went. <laughs> so my my wife and I and my brother in law and and my sister in law, yeah, we were all having a good time. And we were at the Hell's Kitchen, and it was amazing until we got the bill. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. did you get the beef Wellington? Uh, Rachel got the beef Wellington. Okay, right? was I, it I, to live up no, to No, I, I, I promised myself that I would have the, um, the scallops, because I know if you go to Hill's Kitchen, you're going to get good scallops, and the risotto. I wanted to try at least oh, those two things. I love risotto. Um, so, because I knew they'd be done correctly, and they were. Uh, but yeah, if you get if you get a chance to go to Hill Kitchen, go ahead, but it's uh, you're going to get a bill. It's not going to be free, and uh, just be aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, the last time I went to you Vegas, do feel like you're in hell when you're making that payment. So it was after the pandemic had just kind of let up. Yeah, 
and things were opening back up, it was a ghost town. Like yeah, there was nothing open. You were doing a couple of events, speaking there and stuff in the past. And yeah. Anyway, uh, maybe we can sneak you back out there in March for Evolutions. Yeah, definitely. Can't come to podcast movement in Dallas, but uh, uh, we're we'll start to wrap this up here. So uh, a couple common questions, but we haven't asked them to you recently. Uh, who is currently doing something that interests you, Kamanzi? Mm, that's a good question. Who's doing something? We're talking to a lot of people. Yeah, so I like what Mark Cuban's doing with with his uh, subscription pharmacy service. I think that's incredibly interesting. Game changer. Yep. I like the whole. Fire movement, financial dependence, the people that are doing it like on a reasonable level, like the extreme, like living in a van, stuff like that. I'm not built to live in a van. Like I'm not going to, that's do not going to be your first. Option. That's not going to be. So, so if people want to look up that or look to some of these people that you've talked to, who, who should they look up? You should look up my articles on time, time.com. Yeah. And you look up my articles and I've covered eight, nine, 10 stories about yeah. this. And it's some of the bigger names in the movement. But if you just Google fire, financial dependence, retire early, you're going to see a drove of material. But those, to me, the idea of save more or save more and invest more and kind of cut your expenses down. I think it's common knowledge that our parents and their parents taught us, right? Yeah. It's not revolutionary. It's not everybody's willing to do it. So I, yeah. I think that's interesting. And Jared, I'm going to say Jared. <laughs> Jared's I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll take building, it. Yeah. I mean, podcast movement from what it was when I was yep. there in the first few ones to what it is now. That's a I world-class can't event. take full credit for it, but uh, we have a good team and God has blessed us. So, yeah. And then I probably follow a smattering of YouTubers. So, yeah, <laughs> there's a couple of YouTubers I, I enjoy yeah. watching too. Yeah. So. YouTube University. I'm always on it. Actually, one guy that I've started watching that uh, I don't even know why, but I've, I've just become really fascinated with is a guy who... Saves dogs. He has a uh, animal rescue in Greece. Yeah, his name is Takis. Yes, and uh, his stuff is really interesting. Very interesting. Uh, so even if you're not really into pets or dogs, I mean, just seeing him and now he's saving all these animals and he's getting them adopted and he's he's created like this really um, wonderful shelter that's you know no um, no kill shelter that's also uh, they don't have any uh, leashes or anything. All the dogs are able to kind of be free and and these are dogs that have been maybe on a leash for eight years you know stuck in one spot just living a horrible life and he's come along and been able to you know move them to this shelter and and give them you know redemption and and give them a chance to live and or adopted for a forever home or um, have the last years of their lives and you know dog heaven so it's it's pretty amazing but yeah that's a good guy to watch on youtube for your chance takis t-a-k-i-s I, I don't know i just somehow stumbled across him started watching him and just been like i watch like every day now <laughs> there's uh, quite a few yeah. rescuers that i've yeah. watched because I, I like seeing the stories of like when the animal's been hurt or something's going yeah. on and to see them build that trust oh, over yeah. time and then that first moment of when they finally start to trust humans again yeah that's pretty powerful it's pr pretty powerful good deal so uh, of course people can check you out at uh kconstable.com. Kconstable, yep. Uh, you said they can search your articles on Time or some other publications where you're doing a lot of writing You right can now. see a lot of my articles on Insider, Business Insider, okay. Black Enterprise, which I'm Good. extremely proud of, covering a lot of yeah, underrepresented stories there, Travel and Leisure. But I mean, I think those are the really the, the main ones. Sweet. And uh, we always close with final thoughts. Come on, Z, why not? Got to ask yourself, how do you want to spend your time? Not what somebody else programmed into you, it could be even parents. It could be family, friends that mean well, where they programmed things that they think you should do. You have to ask yourself, what do you actually want to do? 
and then start working towards that path because life's short. None of us know how long we have, but life's too short to live a life that is programmed from somebody else or to just try to keep appearances. What's well, it? Come on, always a pleasure. Uh, look forward to interviewing some more folks here. Yeah, we got some coming up. We've talked with a few people, so just got to get them nailed down. So, but yeah, we'll do that and uh, enjoy uh, whatever's coming up. You've got a full summer packed, I'm sure. Yeah, and uh, family visits and, yeah, all that fun. Listeners, you'll hear me on some er- interviews Jared and I have. So you'll hear me from. Probably quite a few locations. Uh, come on, he doesn't like to stick around. He's a, he, he, he stay, he, he's a, a nomad, and, and rightfully so. It's in uh, my jeans. But I'm glad that right now we are at a table hanging out in person. I wouldn't have it any other way. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm.